Welcome to the Intentional Parents Podcast. Intentional exists to help parents in their God-given task to raise passionate Jesus followers. We exist to bring hope, help, and healing to families. Each week, we will talk about anything from parenting, marriage, lifestyle, and what it looks like to follow Jesus in our time. Intentional is made up of Phil and Diane Comer and Brooke and Elizabeth Moser. I am Brooke, and the funny thing is, we are all family. Elizabeth is Phil and Diane's daughter, so we're a family figuring this thing out together. We hope this podcast feels like you're sitting with us in our home talking about how to do this thing called life together. Elizabeth and I are your hosts. Let's get into this week's podcast. Welcome back to the Intentional Parents Podcast. I'm here today just with mom, another one, just the two of us. And we've just been talking about this idea of how do we help our kids be friends? You know, I feel like in my adult life, hearing from so many of my peers about how their relationships with their siblings are either estranged or difficult or awkward. And it's always kind of baffled me when I think about like raising my own kids right now Mm -hmm. in our own house. And, you know, they're living every day together for so many years. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine. It feels so funny to me that so often siblings aren't friends. And yet I totally get it because my kids right now are like the best of friends one minute and then (laughs) total enemies the next minute. And their, their future friendship is not guaranteed. No. But we were camping um, for the first time as a family of six a couple of weeks ago. We we went once when Duke was like 18 months old. Do you remember that? And I came back and said, we are never doing that <laughs> again with a toddler. He I was like I do mobile, yeah. but we were at a campsite where there were like still cars around. So I couldn't just let him like mm-hmm. run free. It was disastrous. So I waited a whole, what was that? Another 12 years to camp again <laughs> till it would Trauma actually experience. be fun. Yes. It was actually really, really fun. I see why we grew up yes. camping. Yes. Like Brooke and I left saying, feels like this vacation, if you can call it camping a vacation, really like aligns with our values as a family. Like everybody's outside, there are no screens, the whole, you know, there's nothing to do except talk and play games. And and it's so novel that everybody's, it keeps kids kind of on the edge of their seat. Totally. It's hard to get bored when you're outside and there's all this stuff to see and do. So true. Duke was determined that he was going to be able to catch and kill a chipmunk. (laughs) And at first I was like appalled that Brooke was like, go for it. Go kill a chipmunk. (laughs) Still Brooke starts laughing and says, there's not a chance in the world he's going to catch a chipmunk. (laughs) I feel totally fine telling him he can kill a chipmunk. But we went with another family who had five kids, mm-hmm. all really little. The kids had a blast. And we were sitting around the campfire one night, and I was hearing the other dad talk about his family. And I was just asking some questions. He comes from a family of four I was, and a great family. Mm-hmm. I was asking if he's close. You to- mean four kids or four in the family? Four kids. So, yeah. So, family yes, of six. Family of six. Yes. Yeah. Um, great parents. They were really thoughtful and intentional about raising them. He has a great relationship with them. Mm-hmm. And he was explaining kind of the history of relationships with his siblings and how there were times when they were really close and they've really struggled as they become older and they're not so close now. And he asked just kind of nonchalantly just asked like, why do you think your siblings are close? Like, did your parents do anything that made you guys close? And I immediately had like a 
the four point sermon of these are the four <laughs> things my parents did that I had no idea was happening when I was growing up. And I don't think you did them on purpose. No, I think it's so interesting. Then you just rattled these things off to me. And I thought I, w- this was not intentional on our yeah. part, really. It was maybe instinctive because it really started with a very strong value that we both had. Um, but perhaps me even more. Uh, Phil's always gotten along great with his adult siblings. He's got two brothers. Yeah. But maybe they talk on their birthday and a couple other times of the year. But it's not because of any sort of animosity. It's just that they live in three different states and they yeah. drifted away. Um, but I've struggled to be close to my siblings. And, yeah. um, and, and I came from a family background that was... I think almost made it hard for us to continue to get along, even though I know it was my dad's heart um, for that to happen. They just didn't know. They didn't yeah. know what they were doing. And um, so I came into our family knowing that that was really important to me, but not necessarily knowing how to make it happen yeah. or if it, or if it was even possible. Yeah. No, and that totally makes sense. And I feel like we probably need to do a whole another episode on how do you navigate sibling relationships in your adult life that are really challenging? Yeah. How do you try to mend them or make them close if they're not? So just to clarify, I feel like we're going to be sticking more to what are some things we can do while we're raising our kids Mm -hmm. in our home and Mm -hmm. when we launch them to help maybe facilitate friendship. You know, we can't guarantee. We can do all the things right, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. Just like we can't guarantee that they are going to passionately love Jesus, no. even if we no. follow intentional parenting and no. watch the film series. No and, guarantees. And, you know, but I think there are things that we can do that are going to set them up to know how to have a relationship. Yes. Yes. To really, I mean, and we're going to talk about them. Like, what are the, I really think there's, there are four things. Yeah. I gave a four point sermon, I guess. Okay. <laughs> um, but that I think you guys really set us up to be friends. And I think uh, uh, Rebecca and I talk about this a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't think any of us would actually be friends if you hadn't done these mm-hmm. things. Not because we don't all like love each other. We mm-hmm. all love each other. But I, we are all really passionate, really intense, really different in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Different in the sense of we don't all have like a ton of, shared interest some yeah. of us do mm-hmm. but i don't work i think maybe if we were all easygoing maybe we'd all be friends but none of us are easygoing <laughs> no. that i think we probably would have unintentionally alienated each other mm-hmm. and probably had a little more of a surfacey yeah. not super vulnerable relationship yeah. and it when i say we're all close now it does not mean it's conflict free no rebecca no, no. and i got in epic fight a couple years ago Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, that we really had to work through. Mm -hmm. So it's not conflict-free, but there's a shared commitment Mm -hmm. that we are all going to pursue each other and be there for each other. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we only see each other a couple times a year Mm -hmm. at Christmas, Mm -hmm. twice a year probably consistently, sometimes more. Um, But let's just And yet I've seen in the hardship of the last few years with your family situation, Elizabeth, medical crises, and man, they are there just like that. Yes. And willing to drop their very busy, stressful lives to come to your aid. And um, 
we have a family text going on right now because one person's kind of in a struggle in their uh, just circumstantial things aren't lining up yeah. very well for them. And just for me to be reading each your text to each other is so, mm. I just pinch myself and just thank God. I just thank God because you are now pouring into, pouring truth. And it's not just the four siblings. Mm-hmm. It's the all four of the in-laws, yes. husbands and wives are doing the exact same thing. Yeah. And um, preaching these many sermons of encouragement and showing compassion and understanding towards each other. And it's phenomenal. But I do want to say it has not always been that way. Yes. Um, especially, I felt like in the teenage years and the early 20s and early married years, mm. there was a tendency as you were developing your own values and ways of doing life that you just almost naturally uh, rejected anybody who didn't do life the way yeah. you did. <laughs> yeah. And uh, very also a very comer trait, I'm sad to say, that we passed on to our kids and you were judgmental towards each other. <laughs> and... Um, and that those years scared me. Yeah. Um, I probably was the most aggressive and assertive about this one area um, during those years because I saw I saw where it could go, and I grieved how hard it was for me to get you know for our siblings, good people, yeah. for us to find common ground. So yeah. it isn't not like this has been. Oh, you know the Comers are just they have it together no. and they know what they're doing. It's more like we've grappled because this is important to us. Yeah, and I agree with you, Elizabeth. It only takes one person to refuse to keep trying. Yeah, you know to f- refuse to humble themselves, or a spouse who pulls you away yes. from your family. I see an awful lot of those stories. Yeah, and there's just not a lot that can be done about that. Yeah. Um, so we say this with compassion, not for those who have a sister or brother who is out of contact with the family. Um, I just say pray and pray and pray. Never stop praying. Yeah. God, you know, don't ever give up on God. You never know what he's doing behind the scenes. Yeah. Pray and humble yourself as much as possible. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot of these conflicts that seem to not be resolvable is because one person just will not break down and say I see how I've hurt you and I really regret it I'm really sorry yeah so these are ideas for if your kids are very very young or they're in middle school or whatever these are some of the things that apparently according to Elizabeth that we did (laughs) you did unknowingly you did and I think you know to your point of what you were just saying even if it goes well, even if you're at the, the kids are out of your house and they're adults and they're genuinely friends Mm -hmm. and rely on each other and are there for each other. It's still really messy. Mm -hmm. It's not linear. People are messy. Yes. And to give a little context this morning, I was just telling you, I, so our two youngest are two years apart. Developmentally, they're even closer and they're kind of like to me, what I would assume having twins feels like a little bit. They do everything together. They're inseparable. And they've been really getting along and playing mm-hmm. pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, and this morning, they just were in an epic war against each other from the minute <laughs> they woke up over who was going to sit in the favorite breakfast seat. And it just <laughs> normally, like by the time I can get some food in them, 
they're like, they find something they want to play after breakfast. Their best time to play is right after breakfast. So I'm usually getting a bunch of stuff done because they're happy playing. And they just were in a constant battle. I mean, at one point, Sloan literally found a lightsaber and is like trying to hit Birdie with it. (laughs) And it was just, I was like trying to get out of the house and they're just, everything was a thing this morning. So it's not linear. No. It's, it's basically the the desire to constantly recognize when those moments are happening that I am actually trying to create a greater purpose here. Yes. You know? Yes. And you're not going to yes. hit it every time. No. You're going to hit it some of the time. Sometimes you're going <laughs> to say, just get along. Just or stop. Else. <laughs> yes, that was me this morning. But it, as long as you know there's grace for that, but that's not an actually an effective strategy. Yes. In fact, I'd say that's pretty much the strategy most parents used when I was growing up and certainly what my parents used, you know, yeah. they, they didn't let us just be mean constantly yeah. to each other. What we just didn't learn is what to do when the meanness had started. Um, yes. We didn't know what to do then. Which you're perfectly bringing us into. The first thing you guys mm-hmm. did unintentionally was that you guys were, and we've talked about this on the podcast before. We did a whole episode on how to give a proper apology. Mm-hmm. But you guys were relentless, mm-hmm. and relentless is the right word, when <laughs> when you saw us arguing, and not just like a little squabble, but like we had, yeah. somebody had wronged the other, mm-hmm. and you started this young mm-hmm. and never gave up, mm-hmm. but you taught us how to, you stopped everything mm-hmm. to sit with us and teach us how to actually hear each other mm-hmm. And hear what we had done to the other, what the other person's experience was. Mm -hmm. And to actually like listen and give a real proper apology. Say, I'm sorry for whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Not just, I'm sorry you feel that way. Will you please please forgive me? But then where where you took it a step further is that you would always say, but that's not enough. Mm-hmm. You now have to restore the relationship. Right. You have to feed back into the relationship. Mm-hmm. Can you think of any like stories or examples? I'm thinking of like all the people listening who are like, yeah, but what does that look like? Okay, How do so you restore you know, the relationship? You know, that was a missing piece in our earliest years until I stumbled upon the story of the prodigal son. And mm-hmm. so if you read through the story of the prodigal son, which is, I'm flipping my Bible, and we don't have Phil, the absolute, the man who has the Bible memorized. Yeah, I but think we have it's Google. In, it's, <laughs> yes, I got it right. It's in Luke chapter 15. Okay. And we all know the story um, in, in my Bible, in the NLT, it actually, I like it. It's called the story of the lost son. Mm. And that's kind of appropriate. But this man, he has two sons. And um, one is kind of self-righteous and one is a rebel. Mm -hmm. The rebel dishonors his dad, takes his inheritance, spends it all on wild living until one day he wakes up and he realizes he's feeding pigs and he says, the pigs have better food than I do. I'm going to go home. Hmm. And he goes home and, you know, the father represents God to us. And as he's, the father didn't go chase after him when he was still determined to destroy his life. But when he started heading home, his his dad met him and Hmm. threw his arm around him and gave him all this grace. But what really struck me is that what was going on in in the mind of the son. So he apologizes to his he apologizes to his dad. So he returned home to his father. 
Um, and his father, filled with love and compassion, ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. And this is what the son said to his father, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your friend, your son. Mm. That's his apology. I mean, that's a beautiful apology. Yeah. He's recognizing he sinned against God. He sinned against his dad. He He's no longer worthy of being your son. He's saying, I don't even be, I don't deserve your mercy here. Mm. Okay. That sets up a really great apology. Um, and of course his dad embraces him. He has a, 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 has a feast for him. But as he was thinking about what he was going to do, he, he had actually rehearsed it. And he had said, I will go home to my father and say, father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired man. Mm. So he's basically saying, I apologize. Now I am going to be your servant mm. in order to make restitution for all that I've done. Mm. And, and that's the missing piece in so many apologies yeah. is realizing it was on the, the father's response was incredible, but the responsibility was on the son who'd, who'd messed up, who'd hurt his dad to restore the relationship I mean, did it with great humility Instead of coming back and just say, you know, sorry, dad, you know, sorry, I hurt your feelings. Yeah. Um, he, he's, he's expecting to be a servant. And often mm -hmm. in the way to restore a relationship is with humility, genuine humility, even though the other person always did something wrong too. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to blame the other person. But then also I'm going to restore this relationship by it's now my turn to take the initiative to bring us back to a point of not just forgiveness, but of warmth and camaraderie, yeah. sometimes humor um, and fondness. And so that kind of became the secondary thing after a proper apology. Mm -hmm. Now it's on you. Yeah. I really hurt this person. That person hurt me too, but that's yeah. up to them. Your response is your responsibility. And the thing is, you have to begin to want that. Re you have to want that relationship bad enough mm -hmm. to be willing to go to those kind of lengths. Yeah. Yeah. Can you think of any stories of like what that looked like practically? I'm thinking of like maybe in the younger years. Well, I, in the younger years, it was often we would, we would ask you to serve the other. Why yeah. don't you volunteer to do the dishes and your and your sister can go sit in the big green. That was our big favorite mm -hmm. chair. Um, or, uh, you know, we'd put little whispers in your ear, usually trying to do keep it something small because mm -hmm. you, you know, both were always offended. Yeah. Something small that wouldn't just be swallowing too much mm -hmm. to be able to make him do it. Or um, maybe with your older brother, we would say, why don't you just put your arm around her and sit with her for a little while? Ask mm -hmm. her something about... What interests her? In this case, yes. if we could get Rebecca to start talking about her horse, then she would be mm -hmm. all fine. Yep. Just listen for 10 minutes. That's all she needs, just mm -hmm. to know that you really do love her. You really are sorry. Hmm. Um, later in the teenage years, especially um, when you and Rebecca went through a period of time that was really tough, um, we'd moved and you had no friends. Hmm. And all of a sudden you were the only people that you could socialize with mm -hmm. we went to a church that was full of wonderful friendly people but they all 
had plenty of friends. Mm. So nobody was initiating asking you out. So, and it was just a rough time on your relationship. Um, it was the same kind of thing, you know, trying to help you to empathize with each other while recognizing that that person had hurt your feelings. So we would often suggest that you just go out and do something fun together. Why don't mm-hmm. you go out? Here's some money. Yeah. Um, but you're jumping ahead to my pizza. second, okay. <laughs> to okay. my second right. thing. So I was going to say, like, yes, first thing is you did such a good job helping us resolve conflict. And it really was, I remember a lot of, like, hand-holding, you guys giving us the oh, script. Yeah. People told us to let you work it out themsel- yeah. yourselves. And my response from my growing up years was, right. And the bully wins every time. Yes. The ones willing to be mm-hmm. the most aggressive. Or you develop defense strategies. I was not the bully, but I could drive my siblings crazy because I would just withdraw mm-hmm. and return totally uninterested, yeah. which drives certain personalities really crazy. Yes. It's just still a meanness to it and mm-hmm. an intentionality to it. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was self-protective, but I think it was even more. It was just mean. But yeah. I do want to say, you watched your dad and I doing this yes. all the time. So yes. I was 19 when I married Phil. Phil was 27. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was emotionally immature. I had mm-hmm. some hurts. I didn't know any of this stuff. And so it took years of two strong-willed people learning how to forgive each other and Phil really leading us in this. He yeah. led in this. Not because his family had taught him. They really hadn't. Um, I'm not sure exactly where he learned this. Yeah. But he strongly led our family this way. And as much as I wanted to be that family where the sibling, where the kids could say, you know, we never heard <laughs> our mom and dad arguing. That was not our story. But that's just not real life. It's not even uh, healthy. Because not for then, us. Because... Like what you're saying is we learned a lot of this from watching you guys yes, work it out. Did. And that's just so true. Like yes. I think it we do a disservice to our kids if there's never any tension or conflict in front of them. Obviously, okay. we've talked about this before too. Like there's obviously a level where right. it is inappropriate right. and you yes. need to go into another yes. room. But they – We wouldn't be all, screaming, yelling at each other. No. We did have self-control. But. Yeah. But okay – there is another side to this, though, okay. that all of us siblings feel slightly disabled in that you didn't teach us. Yes. That yes. I, now we're like, okay, we got to teach this to our kids. Is we were so used to two things. There is a clear, proper way to apologize mm-hmm. and anything less than is not yes. enough. <laughs> Brooke tells me said, you came into our marriage with a set of rules and instructions on how to apologize, but nobody ever gave me those rules and <laughs> I instructions. Know, I know Steve has said the same to that. Yes. So, and then we grew up always used to both parties are doing this the same way. Yeah. There was never a framework where somebody else might not want to reconcile. Uh-huh. They might not want to hear your apology. Yeah. They might not want to make peace. Yeah. And so all of us as adults have literally had to work through this in therapy right. of like how to be okay when somebody's not okay with you yes. and they don't yeah. want to be okay with you. And refuses to talk about it. Exactly. Because in our family, we t- we still talk, talk about, about everything. everything. Right away. 
right there's away. no as as pause <laughs> and, and that can get a little intense at times you yes know? we've all had to learn to say it's okay to take a break mm-hmm. to say I-, I need a break but then you have to initiate the restart yes. of the conversation that's yes. a rule that's another one of the coma rules yes but I think it's just important to note just I I love the way you guys did it we're doing it very similarly with our own kids but I think sprinkling in there but just so you know, you're going to have relationships in life where the other person does not want to yeah. reconcile. And that's going to be hard. But it's you need be. to know it that, that doesn't mean you have to jump to try to fix it always. Or, no. you know, that scripture as much as depends on you, be as, at peace yes. with all men. I yes. I just feel like that scripture is so mm-hmm. freeing. It's very it clearly calling to as much as depends on you, yes. meaning you do whatever you can do. Yes. But you can only do your part. That's you can't right. control how the other person receives right. that. So that's just kind of, it's like a I think it's joke. an important thing to remember because um, if you don't, you're going to be, um, you're going to feel like you've been um, rejected. Mm-hmm. And instead of recognizing that that person right now, whatever else is going on in their life, um, they're just not capable of resolving this right now and mm-hmm. being okay with that. Yeah. Um, and it's hard. I mean, I had a, a hard relationship with somebody who apologized to me in about three sentences. And I was so grateful because I knew that was not my family culture. And but then wouldn't talk about it, refused, you know, just said, I, I don't want to talk about it. And I recognized that this person had certain trauma involved mm-hmm. with trying to resolve conflict. So it was really it's it's still hard for me because I want so bad to talk about it because I want to know. I want to understand thoroughly because then that gives me some control. Yeah. You know, I can make yeah. sure it never happens again. But sometimes we just have to give grace to people and say, it's okay. They're not there yet. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're just too wounded. Yeah. Maybe they're just too angry and immature. But um, I would rather err on the idea that they're just too wounded and mm-hmm. and they didn't grow up in a family and, or marry a man like I married and, and life is hard If you're enjoying this content and you want to go deeper, we have an amazing resource that we want to tell you about. It's the intentional film series, Raising Passionate Jesus Followers. Now, this is an incredible tool for you for spiritual formation in the family. And we created this film series to help parents in their God-given task to raise and disciple their own children. Now, our hope is that we're able to help you and give you some of the tools that I know we so desperately need as we're in the process of raising our kids and Phil and Diane have actually raised their kids. This is a nine session film series on the process of what raising a passionate Jesus follower actually looks like. There's some workable solutions in here. There's a bunch of wisdom from the scriptures and there's a bunch of practical help in your journey as you are raising your children. We cover all sorts of things like parental roles, goals versus values. What is discipline versus punishment? How do I create a heart of obedience in my child where they actually want to obey? What is a heart of self-control look like? Or how do I even help my child in the process of character development? We cover that and so many more things. You can use this film series in a variety of ways. You can use it at your home, preferably with your spouse if that's applicable, with a group of friends or in your community, or even through your local church. All you need to do is head over to our website, intentionalparents.org, click on film series, and then follow the prompts. We have a bunch of other resources there that you can check out, but we do pray that this blesses you in your pursuit of raising passionate Jesus followers. Well, to shift gears to what you already mentioned, Mm -hmm. I think that something you did as we all got older 
more like teenage years, I would mm -hmm. say, is that you really encouraged and even facilitated friendship and quality time and fun together. Yeah. So not just in the working out of conflict, but we all knew, kind of unspoken, that we could get out of pretty much any chore if we said that we were going to be going to, Rebecca and I want to go get coffee together or we want to go to we want to go rent a movie it's so funny because I didn't know that until no. this conversation yep but I mean I, I say that in jest but it it really you would let us drop anything and mm -hmm. you would drop anything mm -hmm. to help encourage that you'd let us yeah. use your car you yeah. um I don't think you ever gave us any money to go have fun, but okay. <laughs> you did like free us up. Money was not, was in pretty it. short supply most yes. of those teenage years. Totally. But I think you really looked for opportunities for us to enjoy yeah. each other, yeah. to be a little less serious mm -hmm. and to actually do friendship type things. Yeah. yeah. And I, again, I think you did it without even really knowing you were doing it, yeah. but we knew that was a good thing. And um, and we knew it was important to, like, try to spend time together. Yeah. And yeah. it ebbed and flowed. It wasn't all the time. No. Um, and we fought a lot in those mm -hmm. years, too. Mm -hmm. But I, I think even with Rebecca and I, I think, you know, we got closer kind of in high school years when we moved and had nobody. Yeah. We ended up becoming friends kind of out of necessity. But I think you guys also helped encourage that and yeah. foster that. Yeah. And encouraged us to drive places together. Mm -hmm. And I think you did a really good job with those friendships mm -hmm. in those years that maybe, again, wouldn't have come naturally. No. No. And for, for me, um, I had this idea, you know, first generation Christian. So it was just an idea. Yeah. Maybe an ideal. Um, I had watched so many of my friends who, who came to know Jesus at the same time I did in the late 70s. And within a couple of years drifted away and um i felt like if if you had a brother a sister a couple of brothers a couple of sisters um it, who were walking with god and saw one of the siblings start to have questions or to deconstruct their faith mm -hmm. or to walk away that that these siblings would be probably in a better place to pull you back mm. than mom and dad, yeah. who represent sometimes authority. Um, so I had this idea that wouldn't it be amazing, and I actually have the same idea from my grandkids. One of the reasons we try and get the grandkids together is because I have this idea that especially our three oldest, mm -hmm. two of John Marks and your oldest son, that if those boys are in college, and one of them starts to make some bad decisions. I know that they're they are close enough that the others will be putting their heads together and trying to figure out how to bring them back. Mm. And I just think that is such an amazing safety net. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't have that safety net. I remember being scared that I was going to fall away because I didn't understand why so many people did. I didn't. My parents were coming to faith at that point, but they weren't able to really helped me with my decision making or they helped me in a million ways, but I mean spiritually mm -hmm. and relationally. Um, and I thought maybe you guys could be there for each other. So yeah. that's been my dream. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a kind of a hard dream to have when you're in a family like us of no, nobody's easygoing. Mm -hmm. I sometimes come across as easygoing, but I am not 
easy going. <laughs> um, very strongly opinionated about things. Absolutely sure I'm right. And if you would only do it my way, mm-hmm. you know. So we're strong people. So I think it makes it harder for us to get along. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we pushed you together all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's that's a good way to put it. You, you <laughs> gently pushed us together. <laughs> yeah. But then... You know, it's it's so interesting that there's, I feel like I have a clear memory of something you did in every stage with us. You know, it was the little years of really teaching Mm -hmm. us how to apologize and Mm -hmm. to restore a relationship and then pushing us together to be friends in the teenage years. But then, you know, after you guys launched us, and then I think especially after we got married, you guys kind of vowed to each other, I think would be Mm -hmm. the right way to put it. That you would not speak poorly about any of us kids or our spouses behind mm-hmm. our back to yeah. anybody else in the family mm-hmm. or to each other. You or and to Dad. each other. Yeah. We hold each other accountable yes. to that. Yeah. And in so do, and we all know that. Mm-hmm. We all know that you have vowed to do mm-hmm. that. And in so doing, it's created this really like safe feeling that we can share anything with you guys. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to spread it to the rest of the family, or we can say anything to our siblings, or if we're frustrated with one of our yes. siblings and mm-hmm. we mention it to you, you lovingly listen and then you say, you know, you should go talk to that mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. Like you lovingly stop yes. the conversation and yes. say, you sh- you really should go talk to that person. Mm-hmm. They would want to know that you're struggling. Yes. And that's true. And that's true and of all our family. And the siblings and their spouses would yes. want to know, especially if you come about it gently. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's created this like safe family culture where if somebody in the family, you know, like we've said, none of us are mild. So if somebody is going through a hard season, the whole family knows it. And yes. they're just hard and kind of hard to be around. Yeah. But there's this kind of unspoken accepting of yeah yeah, that everyone's aware it's not like we don't talk about it everybody's aware that person's hard right now right like we're not pretending it's not happening but that usually that something like that will be said yes this person's hard right now in this way so it's not like you're pretending it isn't there i've heard people say that they're being loyal in their family by being keeping secrets yes and secrets are really dangerous i remember when we were brand new christians my brother was not yet walking with the lord he he didn't know jesus yet Mm -hmm. and um i was in high school he was in high school and he started partying really hard and we would be in my early years as a christian i would go to these parties to try and witness Mm -hmm. to somebody you know marijuana going on a keg of beer and you're witnessing they listen really (laughs) great when they got too much So um, later I had some convictions about that, but I remember watching my brother get in his, he had this really cool red Datsun trucks with mag wheels in the 70s. It was so cool. Um, I don't even know what any of that is, but I'll trust you. It was was great. And my brother was super cool and just, oh, he was just like the best personality. Everybody loved him, but he would be just drunk, Mm. just as drunk as could be and um, drive home and I wouldn't tell my parents Mm -hmm. because I was afraid of tattling on him yeah and now I look and think how horrifying it would have been had my brother hurt somebody or hurt himself Mm -hmm. um, because I didn't speak up I didn't know how to speak up didn't know how to tell my parents so part of it is those kind of memories made it 
really important to you, to me, that we did know how to bring things up in a loyal way. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean that you cover no you cover up for each other. It means that you you know how to talk about each other's struggles with compassion mm-hmm. instead of judgment. And it's such a fine line. Such a fine line. And we don't get it perfect no, every time. No. But I think knowing that that is the intention, that mm-hmm. that is the vow that you and dad are trying to yeah. adhere to and and that you're setting that for our family culture yeah. mm-hmm. really keeps us, I think, aware of that line, mm-hmm. even if we're not always handling it yeah. perfectly. Um, it and keeps... I, I have the sense that we'll correct each other if oh, we yeah. step over that line. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's as simple as you need to go talk to that person. Mm-hmm. Then we know kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, okay, you're right. I need mm-hmm. to. I need to stop yeah. talking to you about it. I need to go talk to them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and again, I don't, I think, I think that was more intentional. I think you yeah. knew. Yeah. I think that was very much that on very purpose. But that was yes. after you'd been parents for a lot of years. A lot of years. And had a and lot more experience under your belt. Yeah. 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 And we had gone through enough um, situations in leadership where we felt that we'd blown it yeah. by talking behind the leadership's back. Yeah. And just, you know, uh, external processing externally processing things that were really negative and critical yeah. about that person. You know, I, it happened to me just a couple of years ago. I was doing that about a, a co-worker, a leader, and knew with an absolute certainty that I was wrong. Mm. And that it's, you know, you couch it in all sorts of terms. I just need oh, to talk yeah. about it. We make this. it sound real spiritual. So and, spiritual. Yeah. So I had to go to another leader. And and tell that person, to my humiliation, I was wrong, mm-hmm. and I was focusing on one thing that upset me. And please forgive me. I should not have spoken that way about this very good and godly person. Yeah. Um, this is on me. So it's not like you know. I mean, this is maybe two years ago. So in my sixties, yeah, I'm still learning what I think I know. Yeah, but when it comes works itself out into real life it's really tough to actually do yeah yeah Yeah. I think these are like learning your whole life long your whole life exactly you know what is I mean the scripture says so much about like the the tongue is a fire you know can cause so much destruction you can and um I think we don't talk about that enough no you know and it really does so you know what it does though too when we're critical behind each other's backs we we immediately the person who's being critical immediately makes the other person feel insecure who's listening mm-hmm. because you know if they can find fault with that person they're yep. certainly going yeah. to find fault with you so the best way to make each other comfortable with that is by we just in our family we just don't talk behind each other's backs yes and um i feel like it's trickled down to even to the point now that the spouses don't talk behind, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, they're not, even the spouses are not, because we're all friends now, are not safe to criticize the other. And that's, Mm -hmm. I I have no control over that. That's just the goodness of God. Yeah. But I think, you know, you can't discount the things that you implement into your family culture, sometimes on purpose and sometimes certain things Mm -hmm. just happen on accident. But 
I think when we when we talk about being intentional, that's what we're talking mm-hmm. about is if you if you make a choice like you guys made a choice, mm-hmm. we're going to really be intentional about this. You don't realize that those intentions, whether on purpose or not, or not yeah. um, are f- building a family culture. Yeah. Yeah. And we have the chance to build really strong family cultures mm-hmm. that even if at some point our kids stray from, they have something to come back to. Yes. That yeah. They know. In, yeah. my, in our home, this is pretty consistent. Yeah. Not, no, nobody is consistent 100% of the time. No, but it also creates an expectation is that now you know that, that it's possible to do this. Yes. And so you begin to expect it from other relationships too, yeah. which makes you less vulnerable to the abuse of others, honestly. Yeah. And it's going on in our culture rampantly right now, the yeah. cancel culture. Where you make one mistake and and people blow it into your whole, this is who you are, and now you're forever canceled. That's going on in families right now, like crazy. It's a lazy, relationally lazy thing to do, and it's poorly loving people. And as parents, we are teaching people, you know, we talk about intentional to love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, mm-hmm. and to love their neighbor as themselves. Yeah. We translate it into to love God with passion and to love people on purpose. Mm-hmm. It's in the home that we love, learn to love people on yes. purpose. And, and yes, we do it imperfectly, but we do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the important thing that we're still doing it. We're teaching our children how to love well, yeah. And part of that is being a gracious person. Yes. And we talked, we use that word lots of times. Be gracious to yeah. your sister. I was that just was thinking about that. That was a gracious way yeah. to say it. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, I feel like one of the beautiful things about having some kids with disabilities is we have, it, it's like a never-ending conversation mm. of empathy, of not yes. excuses, of not well, you can't be mad at her because she has no. sensory processing disorder. But uh, hey, I know that's really frustrating. And I, who knows if we're doing this well or not. Yeah. But to, to we say a lot, hey, I see that that's really frustrating mm-hmm. and stressful. Like mm-hmm. her screaming's really loud or his whatever, you know. Um, but just remember, things are just kind of extra hard for her. So yeah, exactly. we need to keep that in mind. Yeah. And watching just the gift, you know – I've heard so many families talk about like the gift of disabilities. And I can honestly say this far in, mm-hmm. it really is a gift to our oh, family I see it. and a, and an empathy that's coming out of my kids that I didn't naturally mm-hmm. have. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I just felt compelled to mention that of, I know so many families who mm-hmm. maybe have kids that have just extra struggles, yeah. you know, and life is a little harder for them. Like what a beautiful training ground to teach your oh, whole is. family that yeah, that really grumpy person at the grocery store. There's they have yes. a story, yeah, and we can judge them and we can be rude back and we mm-hmm. can say what a jerk, or we can say I wonder what happened in their lives. Yeah, I wonder yeah. why why they're so angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a great scripture in Ephesians four here that I remember reading to your kids, but also just every time I read it, it just captures my heart. It's in Ephesians 4, um, verse 2. Be Well, first of all, in verse 1, he, Paul is begging them. This sounds like a parent. Hmm. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you 
to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called Mm. by God. Verse 2, be humble and gentle. Mm. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. That should maybe be on the walls of our homes. You know, that making allowance for each other because we love each other. I make allowance for your big personality, for your loudness, for your sensory processing disorder, Mm -hmm. for your... All the different things. I I love you enough to make some allowance for you. Yes. That you just put the whole podcast into words. Like <laughs> I think that that is the culture that you guys created, you, you know, like I said, unintentionally and, and intentionally. Mm-hmm. And I think that is what I see our family. There's a lot we don't do well. There's mm-hmm. a lot that is messy. Mm-hmm. But I think that is one thing I can say our family does really well Mm -hmm. is making allowance for each other Mm -hmm. and being willing to love each other enough Mm -hmm. to be faithful to each other when it's easy, when it's hard, when it's inconvenient. Um, And to go a step further is to celebrate with each other. Yes. So one thing that we said to you kids a million times is it's not bragging when you're when you're just talking to your family yes because we are a family so when your sister is extremely successful at something you're entering into her her joy because she's not an individual in the family we are a family that's good for all of us we're all proud mm-hmm. of her when john mark had a book and it hit the bestseller list everybody celebrated and wanted to celebrate yeah it's not bragging when it's just within your family yeah you know especially when you are close-knit family and you're all rejoicing for each other Mm -hmm. and you're weeping for each other yeah um when one of us does well when steve rebecca's husband does really well with a design he's a designer we're all into the design. We all want yeah. his bags or his prototypes. Um, we're into what Steve does because he's really amazing yeah. and creative. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I feel like that goes for the whole family. Everybody yeah. seems to do that. I, I know that both of my sons, John Mark and uh, Matthew, 12 years apart, right in the middle is Brooke. Mm-hmm. And they've adopted him as like a brother. He's yep. the brother and they celebrate his successes. Um, I love that. Now, I, I don't know that we knew what we were doing. Yeah. But you guys really picked up on it and have taken it further than I think mm-hmm. we knew to take it. And so it's, 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 yes, it comes down from the parents, but it's always a kid's choice if you're going to take it and run with it. And yeah. you've, you guys have taken it and run with it. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Well, I think one thing that that has helped us take it and run with it <laughs> is what we do every couple years. Oh, yeah. We just did it. We're mm-hmm. talking about doing it yearly now. Is that you guys wanted to find a, a way to keep our family together as we were older and raising mm-hmm. our own families and everybody spread out and mm-hmm. in different vocations. And have the cousins be busy. close. Yeah, yeah, we really wanted the cousins to be close and just to continue to build on this strong family culture. So you guys started, I was realizing the first one was 12 years ago because okay. Duke was like 10 months old mm-hmm. and he's 13. So 12 years ago, you guys started Camp Comer. Okay. 
we've never camped, except we're <laughs> going to camp next year. <laughs> we've never actually gone camping. But you guys started an every other year, every three year, all of us get together for mm -hmm. a few days and mm -hmm. have fun together, mm -hmm. have intentional conversations together, catch up on each other's lives. Mm -hmm. And none of us want to miss it. Yeah. It's chaotic. It's it loud. Crazy. There's 17 Messy. of us now. It's a disaster the whole time. Yeah. I've had a baby or toddler every single Camp Comer for the last 12 years until this last one. Oh, I know. No which, baby or toddler. Which was just this last weekend. So yes. that kind of is what prompted some of this podcast yeah. too, is feeling like we have something we could never have imagined. And all of yeah. us feel that way. And yeah. and they, and those who've married into us feel that way. They wouldn't miss it for the world either. Yeah. So we wanted to maybe pass on if we could figure out what this is yeah pass it on and it's as simple as you guys just initiating hey we've got this big house and oftentimes it's been like they're not like these big amazing houses all the time for years we had your parents yes house was which best. was ideal there was room was for all great. of us it was beautiful we all yeah. wanted to be there ever since then it's been tricky to yeah. like None of us yeah. can really afford to go rent some no. huge no, house. We didn't for a have week. a huge budget for it. Yeah. yeah. But there's always been some like somebody will loan us a house and yeah. we can rent a smaller one or, you yeah. know. So this year it was sp spread over two houses, but um, it's a different location yeah. all the time. Yeah. But you find a way to, okay, these are the dates we're going to try to do a year in advance because everybody's calendars are yep. crazy. And this is what we're thinking. And everybody gets to speak into it. You don't just decide it, no. like you bring no, it to no. the family. Yeah. We all plan the food together, mm -hmm. but you guys facilitate it. You buy yeah. the food. You offer to we watch do. all the grandkids. Yep. So this, this time we were in the smaller cabin and we put all the adult kids and mm -hmm. their husbands and wives in the big cabin. And so, and we had all the kids came and stayed with us. Yep. Um, now the two littles didn't want to be that far away from mom and dad because it was like, I don't know, two miles away. Yeah, they slept with um, us. So but. they slept with you. And then as soon as they woke up in the morning, they came to the fun cabin, mm -hmm. which was ours. They got to have cereal for they breakfast. Got to, <laughs> yeah, sweet junk. Not total junk, but pretty yeah. junk. <laughs> yeah. The first and, ingredient was sugar cereal. And to the favorite. older ones, we <laughs> said, okay, this is the cabin where you don't have a bunch of rules. So, yep. you know, if, you're, if you want to stay up late talking, you'll be tired tomorrow. But, you know, that's on you. Yeah. We're not going to tell you to go to bed. And one night the girls stayed up really late. I, I had heard. <laughs> yeah, yes. they were so tired and grumpy. <laughs> but they thought, that, you know, they're at the age where that is like huge. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, Jude's a little more sophisticated now. So I think he was in the boys' room saying, okay, you guys, go to, go sleep. to sleep. <laughs> yep. um, but the other kids just love that kind of freedom. So, mm -hmm. yeah, we made it fun. And then we all came over with the kids about 10 o'clock in the morning. So you guys had not only had time to, you know, run and shower and read mm -hmm. your Bibles. and But then we always came to you guys were in the middle of conversation. Yeah. It was so worth it. Yeah. It was so worth it. We yeah. weren't going to Camp Comer. Phil and I were not going to Camp Comer for a vacation. Yeah. We were going for a very specific pur purpose. Yeah cultivating these relationships as adults and this camp comer we went a step further and we asked you all to speak into our lives as we mm. get older yeah because both of us watched our parents um fumble it a little bit as they got older for lack of communication and so for the first time we're now saying watch over us and 
advise us, criticize us, talk to us. Mm -hmm. Don't talk behind our backs. Talk yeah. to us. And we're listening. Yeah. Um, and I think that was an, an important switch. Yeah. You guys are kind of being put in the front seat. And um, and I loved your response because I felt like they're going to do it. Yeah. They're, they're not going to well, just talk so behind their backs about how they wish they could talk to mom and dad as they get older because yeah. they're not doing this right. But I think I was so blessed to watch you guys like so clearly open that up and say, we aren't just telling you you can, we're actually asking you to. Please. Please yes. do this. So again. And we said we've can, never done this before and we haven't seen it done right. Yes. So we're we're not going to get this. But you're continuing this open family culture where we yeah. honor each other, where we speak directly to the person. Mm -hmm. So I just, mom, as we end today, I just want to honor you and dad. Mm -hmm. He's not here, but dad, if you listen to this, honor you for the way that you built this into our family culture. Mm -hmm. It is a gift to us that we didn't know we were getting as we were growing up mm -hmm. and is a gift to us now that we're older and it's imperfect and it's still messy. So if anybody's listening and idealizing anything we're talking please about, don't. Please don't. it was still not a conflict-free Camp Comer. No. There were tears, no. there were people being snippety. There was, There <laughs> yeah. is every time, every time. But you've shown us that it's possible. Mm -hmm. And as I'm raising my wild bunch who fight constantly, <laughs> it's giving me hope that someday they really might be friends. Yeah. And if I continue to show them how, if I continue to help them, if I continue to lovingly push them together and facilitate whenever yeah. it looks like there's an opportunity to yeah. facilitate, that it is possible. Mm -hmm. So thank you for all of the work that you did because that was exhausting work that nobody saw mm -hmm. and I'm so thankful that you did it thank you for listening to today's podcast if this podcast has blessed you in any way here's a few ways that you can partner with us in this ministry first is to give intentional parents is a nonprofit, and we rely on the generous giving of our partners so please head over to our website intentionalparents.org slash give if you would like to become one of our partners through giving second is to share it if this has at all been helpful to you we encourage you to share it with your friends your family and those that you know would be blessed by it Third is to follow us on social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can find us on Instagram at intentional underscore parents. And lastly, if you would head over to iTunes, if you enjoyed today's episode and leave a review on iTunes, this helps us bring more hope, help, and healing for families.